What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. So today we have another episode in our listener stories, another slice of life series featuring you, the FDS listener base, to come and tell us your stories about how you took control of your own life, a little bit about the background that you came from, what the scrotes are doing, just things of general interest that help a lot of women who are from backgrounds other than your humble hosts. So we kind of wanted to engage the series. It seems to be getting a lot of good feedback lately. So our guest today is Naomi. Say hello, Naomi. Hi, everyone. I'm Naomi. Naomi, do you want to introduce yourself and your background? Sure. I am from Southeast Asia. I'm not going to specify which country. Currently, I've been in Japan for the past decade more. And I used to be dabbling for a while in sex work for reasons that I will be talking about today. And I'm also going to speak about how I got out and basically what happens after that and what happens after I basically come about with FDS. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Naomi. I'm, I was, when we did our discovery call a while ago, I was just really, really excited for you to share your story. Thank you. Because it was a very unique story. And I also think it is something that our listeners will benefit a lot from hearing about. So I guess to start with, can you tell us a bit more about your background? So I guess your cultural context of, you know, where you grew up, if you grew up with any religion, and give us like the lowdown on the scrotery from wherever you're from. <laughs> Your favorite scrotery. <laughs> no problem. So, <laughs> so actually, I grew up in a Muslim household. Like my parents are both medical professionals. So I was very, very careful about dating and sex, mostly because the reasons I just said uh, previously, I came from a very religious background. And my parents are both medical professionals, but also it is because of that reason, it is very, very strict background from uh, regarding sexual health, regarding even just protection. Like it's really hard to get a condom, even back home, because you get prosecuted if you are not a married person. Wow. So even back home, I thought, okay, well, it's not worth it. I'm not doing that. Right. Basically, yeah, like I said, it's really, really hard to just date like a normal person back home because of the many, many restrictions. So I never really bothered. But also because I grew up religious, it's a lot of taboo of like sex and like dating in the more like Western sense. And so when I moved to Japan 10 years ago, I also thought that, you know what, I'm not going to change, right? Even though actually growing up, even though I grew up in a very religious household, I'm never actually religious myself. I'm always quite the unbeliever. But in order for me to basically please my parents and my family, I try to basically put a front that, oh, you know what, I believe in it. I'm actually a religious person. I pray and I go to the mosque and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't really believe at all. And so again, when I moved here, I thought, okay, I'm going to continue what I've been doing and I'll try my best to stay with my religious values growing up. And that worked for a little bit, but that's also about the same time that I discovered about, like, well, basically feminism, but like not the radical sense. Third wave feminism? 
Exactly. That's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yeah. That's when I discovered third wave feminism and actually didn't even know that it's what third wave feminism is. I just kind of discovered that concept online, like everybody else my age during that time, mostly through Tumblr or Twitter, et cetera. And that's when I discovered that concept. And I thought like, you know, that's such a new thing for me because back home, I mean, sure, there's a concept of it, but I was never really exposed to it. And this is all very new and very, very exciting for me because the concept of being able to be equal to men or like having the same rights, uh, the same views sexually with men is something that I never really thought about. I always thought that I was weird growing up because, how do I say this? Because I'm quite a open person sexually anyway but never really had the chance to really express it because of, well, basically the rules and regulations back home. Anyway, as I grew up and I basically was exposed to this new wave or third wave feminism and so on, that's also about the same time where, you know, like the entire sex work is work, right? And all that kind of jargons are start flying about. At first, I thought like, okay, that's interesting because I never really thought about that because back home, you know, like sex work is obviously very, very taboo. It's not something that I would even think about doing or think about as a, in a respectable position or career to be seen. And that kind of goes a while for maybe a couple or so years. And that's also about the same time where I started really living my life here in Japan. And in Japan, I struggled a lot with First of all, being suddenly alone on my own after a good, my entire life up until my teenage years, I'm always at home. I was very, very sheltered. Suddenly I'm alone in a different country. I can practically do whatever I want. And it was very difficult for me to basically keep myself from not doing, you know, not doing stuff that I've always wanted to do. And for a while I succeeded, right? But then come to about maybe two, three years after I moved here in Tokyo, I actually started to, not started to, but I actually had the need to think about how I would be able to survive here because my father actually got sick. He got really ill and basically all of the income, all of the money that he and my mom uh, sent to me every month basically cut in, I don't know, maybe more than half. Well, I'm not here with a scholarship or anything like that. It was all paid by my both of my parents. My dad has the tendency to abuse me financially and would, you know, whenever we have like a, basically like, for example, we have an argument or anything of sorts and he doesn't like my tone or he doesn't like what I said. And he's like, all right, I'm not going to send you money for a couple months or he will block me from every platform, which is a bit insane. But this one time he actually got sick and he couldn't send money. And my mom has to basically take care of him and, you know, pay for his medical needs, etc. And so I was the only person, well, sorry, I was obviously couldn't get enough money to get by. And my first thought was, okay, you know what, maybe I should go back to Indonesia for a little bit, you know, and, until things calm down and I can always, you know, continue my studies elsewhere. Is that, oh, you know what, I need to start, you know, doing sex work because I want to stay here 
And also because the normal jobs that I take here, you know, as waitressing or whatever else is pays very, very little. It's kind of like an extreme jump from one to the other. But at the time, I was in a very, very dire situation. And I tried to justify it in my head that, hey, you know what? Like, I need to survive. I have to do this. And maybe there's some truth to that. But I think it's it doesn't have to be that extreme. I didn't have to think that way had I not been exposed to the thought processes that I've been exposed to online that, you know, like, here's a way out for you to get a lot of money. It's like by doing sex work, because I feel like if I was not exposed to that, that was not going to be the first thing that I thought about. And so doing what I do or doing what I did before was not exactly, you know, it's not exactly thing that you can do easily in Japan if you're, you know, if you're not a citizen. Like, there's a lot of loopholes that you can do, but obviously most of the times, like, places are not really meant for, you know, foreign students living or working in Japan. So speaking of which, like the reason why I also had this thought was because it was advertised quite freely here in Tokyo anyway. There would be trucks or basically a lot of wards everywhere you go and especially in the bigger wards like Shinjuku or Shibuya of like, hey, you know, join this site is basically for looking and starting to join in sex work. And I started to be more interested in that. And I started looking for it and basically did everything that I could to find a place or people who would allow me to do that. So imagine, like, I'm already not doing anything. I'm already doing something that's actually, you know, not very beneficial for me in the long term. But also I'm looking to do it with people who were willing to bend the law. So it was already as bad as it goes. And mind you, during that time, I was also, I never dated my entire life. So for context, I never dated in my home country at all. And I never dated here in Japan as well during that time. Very, very inexperienced with men in any form at all. Like the most that I did was talk to them, if anything. And so like the decision to start to well dabble in this kind of like sex work is very, very questionable at most because it's it makes no sense to do so. You know what though? I'm gonna put a pin in that because we've talked to a couple of sex workers now. Some of them come from backgrounds where they were exposed to sex very early, but a lot of times inexperience and naivety is also a way that people are groomed into sex work. Meaning like they're sold a dream of easy money. They may not know better, et cetera. So it's interesting because like it's there seems to just be a general theme of like a trend of like men being able to recognize when a person doesn't have the education or self-esteem or good enough background to be able to understand that they're being exploited or they potentially are going to get into something that they don't quite understand the physical, mental, or emotional ramifications of. And they're quite good at coaxing women to do that. But the type of women who end up in sex work seems to be, I think, a lot of women who are exposed to sex. But it's not unusual either for women who were not that way before. So, Right, right, right. I think like I always thought that for most people, well, for most women who actually, you know, were experienced or eventually experienced in sex work, like I thought that they have at least like some sort of exposure of the um, relationship with men before. And I guess you're right, actually. I think it would be much easier for, well, men to manipulate us into doing 
what we did if we actually had no semblance of experience in relationship with men because there's no benchmark of what's you know what's good and what's not good and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and that's practically what where I was and again I was looking for people who are willing to allow me to do that and during that time you know like obviously I was also virgin if that's even a concept <laughs> but basically I had no ex sexual experience at all with men and basically my first sexual experiences was also with a pimp granted that he was in a apostrophe I guess nice enough to you know not traumatized me in any way but the experience was traumatizing enough because I don't know this person like not even in a oh I'm, I had a hookup kind of thing it was like okay I need to do this because I want to start doing sex work because you know I need money and that happened and then I start working with him for a while and then I stopped and I practically kind of like jumped into different pimps maybe every several months for reasons that I honestly cannot remember why. And during that time, like it was actually very, very short at first. Maybe, well, I wouldn't say very short, but maybe a good half a year when I started. And obviously I got, you know, like, yes, I did get the money and I got to pay my expenses. And that's good as it is. But like, I was also very, very depressed, obviously. And I actually had to drop out of university, which is, you know, very, very makes no sense at all. But I had to drop out of university, even though I was, you know, I started the entire work exactly to pay for university. Dropped out, I actually got sick for unrelated reasons. And so I used that excuse to kind of like get off and be on my own for a little bit. But during a time where I was off school and also still doing the sex work i was also trying to do things on my own meaning that i started hooking up like crazy and i was not very sure what i was looking for at the time because it's not that i actually gain any pleasure doing it i'm a very sexually charged person for the longest time that i've known myself but even then i didn't understand what i did back then because it's kind of like a coping mechanism where i had no control whatsoever during the time that i was doing my sex work or when i was with clients i want to regain some semblance of control of my life and so i start going around and you know basically fucking everyone because i thought that i can recreate that scenes or that scenarios in my head and kind of reenact it and maybe this time it will turn out differently and maybe this time it's actually going to be pleasure but maybe this time it's going to be fun and that's what i kept going on and maybe i was not very very aware of it at the time that kept going on for months and I'm going to tell you that it is a miracle that to this day, I came out of this thing unscathed. I've never had anything, <laughs> illnesses whatsoever with the amount of things that I did at the time. Do you think like, because you didn't know any better, like you weren't as safe in your sexual interactions? I actually did. Yes. Like, well, yes and no. I definitely was careful and not careful at the same time. I'm careful with the protection and all that. But sometimes, you know, like because you're young and also stupid, you don't. And not that it happens often, but considering that this is Japan and they're really, really terrible with their STD testing here, it is actually still quite amazing the fact that I actually did never had anything. But then again, yes. I started in for about half a year, got out for a little bit. After I was in that industry for about six months-ish, 
and that keeps going on. And during the time I was also going around and sleeping with everyone and I got have to drop out of school. And then during that time, I was still sleeping around with everyone for the same reasons. And after I recovered and I go back to school, I started dating someone. But this person was very, very not good for me. I've known him for a little bit way before I started my sex work. And he was this person, this guy who was married. And he was already started to trying to get close to me for a while, even back then. So when I was in such a terrible situation, turmoil, and I was sad and depressed all the time, he was the one who, you know, well, basically, I thought that he was rescuing me. Like he was basically the one who cared for me, who really wanted to be with me. And I thought like, oh my God, like there's no way that another guy would ever be able to love me like this. And it's basically a tunnel vision from there. Even though he didn't really treat me well. But at the time, I thought that he did because that's the only good treatment that I've known from a man is his treatment, which is not really saying anything. But I was dating him for a little bit and then we called things off because it didn't work out. And then from then, I started the sex work again. But this time, it's less working for a pimp. So after that six months and then I dated this guy and then after we call things off i started working again but i started to work in like different things as well so not just the traditional prostitution sense but i basically tried everything almost pretty much almost everything under the sun at this point at least like in japan like in japan there are like many 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 genres of sex work. It's not just the prostitution sense. And by the way, here in Japan, prostitution is, I would like to say legal, but you cannot do penetration, legally speaking anyway. So there are a lot of things that you can do. For example, you know, you can have a call girl, call to the hotel or your place or whatever else. And actually, legally speaking, you're not allowed to do any penetration with her. Whether they do or do not, that's a, obviously a completely different topic but legally speaking you're not allowed to the only place that you're allowed to do penetration is what we call soapland and that's where basically men goes there and then women just wash their body it's called soapland for a reason and you can basically have sex and that's the only place that you are allowed to do penetration other things you know like herusu they call it that it's called basically health and that's basically what they call prostitutes you cannot and also like massages etc legally speaking you are not allowed to you can probably give like a hand job or a blow job at most but anything else is out of the question but obviously behind the scenes you know these women or these girls they're also pressured to do so by their clients and so it's not like they have much choice to begin with if they want to get paid so there's a lot of coercion basically and trafficking going on Yes, it is a lot of coercion. Yes. I cannot say much of how it, you know, how it works in different countries because obviously I've never been there. But at least in here, it's kind of like optional. But if you don't do it, then you don't get clients. Then your, you know, your pay doesn't go as high as you want it to be, etc. And back then I tried other things as well because why not? Might as well. So I tried you know, working in more massage places. And that was actually 
I'd like to say very, very traumatizing as well, because even though, you know, like I was not expected to do really anything, but the coercion from the clients was so severe. It was actually a very short period, but very, very traumatizing short period of my life working there due to the um, immense coercion. And so I stopped working there after maybe three, four months and I start doing something else, I can list the things that I did, but it's going to be too long. But practically speaking, I did the entire hostessing. Well, hostessing is not even, it doesn't really classify as a sexual sex work. Hostessing in Japan is basically where you you go to these, we call it here like kabakura or cabarets actually, but it's not actual cabarets. It's basically just like one of those hostess clubs where you come in as a man and then you come in and you pick all these girls to uh, drink with you and you basically pay an insane amount of money to do so. And the reason why it is considered sex work here in Japan is because like most of the time, these clients will, in, in order for you to keep a client to keep coming to your shop, you know, like these hostesses, they practically have to, you know, coax you with like, hey, you know, we can go on a date. We can, you know, we can, you can sleep with me if you go come to the shop. Obviously, it doesn't always happen, but that's kind of like the expectation. I've worked in those places as well. Um, not for a very long time, but I did. And also places like, let's see, like I would, the only thing that I don't do was I don't do anything with actual videotape porn or anything with a, um, basically videotaping, like no video. I think what they call here, like cam girls. I do not do that at all because I felt like once you do that, it's over. It's going to stay in the internet forever. And there's no way back. The things that I did back then, honestly, there's still no way back either. But it is easier for me to get out with my name clean rather than having something left on the internet. And I think that that's the reason why like, I was never really into like the entire, what is it, like porn or OnlyFans, etc. Because I felt like you cannot get out of there. It's just going to stay there forever and it's going to haunt you forever. And I still think so as well to this day. And uh, for a while after I did all that, I started to kind of, in a, I guess, in a way, level up and stop doing the entire like small gigs, if you can call it that. And I started to actually do, actually join this woman where we are only going for the high paying clientele. And for a good while, I was earning a lot of money. And that was also the same time that I also had like a sugar daddy or two or three. And yeah, I started to get paid a lot, a lot more money. And this is during a time where I actually don't even need the money anymore. Because my mom and my dad started to be able to pay me or sorry, to send me money in a okay amount that I can survive off. But because I'm already so in too deep into this and I thought, you know, it's too late for me to, you know, to basically quit now because I'm so used to it and I'm enjoying the amount of money that I'm earning. Finally, I thought there's no way I want to quit this now. And so I kind of stayed there for a while. Um, not until I basically got severely assaulted by a client. And this is why the entire like, oh, if you're a sugar baby, you can, you know, you can pick your client. You don't have to be with everyone. But it is also not a good indicator of like, 
for sure, every single guy will be nice and will be very gentlemanly with you because that is completely untrue. And I think obviously you know this, but a lot of women still have this understanding in their head that like, oh, if I do sugar babying, then I can pick my client and I can pick my sugar daddy and it's going to be fine and dandy and you know, it's going to be very safe. But I did that. And for someone who's already quite experienced at the time, I still picked the wrong clients. And to the last of it, I think the end of 2018 or early 2019 is where I got assaulted so badly, I couldn't walk for three days. Oh my gosh. Yes, it was terrible. It was really, really terrible. Like I had tears and bruises and I couldn't talk because my throat was so fucked and after that i couldn't do shit for three days and i thought this is not worth the money anymore and i cannot keep doing this i hate myself i hated myself i really was not happy at all during the time that i was earning this amount of money i was also addicted to plastic surgeries oh wow okay yes yeah because Growing up, this is for just for context, growing up, I was never really, you know, like a beautiful girl, at least not back home. I was not considered one. And so like when I, I was already like addicted, I would say, but like I was already very, very keen on like, I need to change myself. I need to change how I look. I need to change everything. I don't want any semblance of my old self growing up. And so when I finally had the funds to do so, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do everything. Well, not everything, but I'm going to do the things that I wanted to do. And I so kept changing how I look. Not that I completely like look completely different than how I used to look like one, like, you know, those really plastic looking girls. Not that there's anything, there's nothing wrong with that, but like, that's not where I went to. But still, I was addicted to it. Like it was consuming my day-to-day basis because I really didn't want to look like my old self. And so, you know, like I kept being in the industry because it pays well enough for me to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I had the ability to also purchase things that I obviously cannot purchase with my, you know, with my allowance. Funnily enough, these are things that I've purchased like branded bags or clothes. I never actually even get to wear them because I was so afraid that people will notice that why are you a student from, you know, a student living in Tokyo with a bunch of branded bags, right? Like people will notice that and I don't want that. And so I bought them and I just stashed them away and I never actually get to wear them which is sad but yes with the plastic surgery part that actually was still going on for a while at the time and so i was thinking really hard like okay do i really want to quit but after three days of not being able to walk and being in pain i was like yeah this is not worth it and then i quit i just quit completely and it was so difficult after quitting because i don't know anything else in accordance to like relationship with men right like i'm so used to things to be very very transactional i'm used to the things that are good you know the dining or the you know the whining and dining and the you know the opulence whatever else i like that but also in my head i'm like well this is transactional because i'm here to have sex with this person or with this guy right and so when i stopped doing all that and i started to put myself out into the dating scene again it was extremely difficult because i had no standard in dating 
So after I quit, I actually went back to my home country for a little bit for a vacation. And during that time, it's where I kind of like try to, okay, you know, I need to start dating normally. How do I do that? And I went back to Japan. And during that time, I was also, you know, on all sorts of dating apps like Tinder or Bumble or uh, OkCupid, whatever else. And mind you, when I was actually fucking around before, I didn't use any dating apps. I mean, I did, but it's actually not the international kind. It's more like the Japanese kind of like dating app. So it's completely different. And so I started dating um, or meeting guys and I got immediately like basically fell in love, basically just fell into guys very, very easily because I had this image in my head, like I want to date normally, like a normal girl, right? And whenever a guy gave me like, basically treat me kindly or with some semblance of respect or give me attention or like give me affection, which was huge for me or which is huge for me still. It became like, I had no standards at all. I'm like, okay, I'll give you anything. Oh, do you want to sleep with me? Okay. Oh, do you want me to do this? Okay. Everything. No standard at all because I don't know how to date. I know how to pick clients, but that is not the same with dating. And I only realized that after that, because I felt like, oh shit, this is actually much harder because, you know, feelings are involved. And I got to, like, my emotions are very, very intense. Like when I like someone, it was just like, oh my God, I want, I love him. I want to be with him. I want to, I was just all so intense. And so when I started dating, well, not dating, when I started seeing this guy, and I think like now when I look back, like, yeah, this guy only wants to fucking hook up, right? Like maybe he liked me enough to talk to me and, you know, basically put me up for dates and all that kind of stuff. But he only liked me for basically just hook up, right? Or just sex. And I didn't realize that because I was already head over heels about this guy. Like, oh my God, he's so like, he's so kind to me. You know, he, he really gave me the affection that I need, blah, 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 blah. And I thought that was enough to basically, you know, like give this guy all of my attention, all of my affection and so on and so forth. And that cycle continues. Like it's not just this guy, but the next guy and the guy after that and the guy after that, like I like them too fast and too intensely too soon <laughs> because as I said, there is no standards there. Or oh, there were no standards there. It's interesting you say that, though, especially with the rise in almost like the sugar baby rhetoric, you know, the idea that you can sort of, you know, either sex work or sugar way your way into a into a lasting relationship with a man when actually the qualities that you want in a good man no. who will look after you, take care <laughs> of you, respect you, love you, you're not going to find that in essentially a John. You just won't. There's a reason why they're Johns. <laughs> you just won't. And funny you mentioned that, actually, like, uh, just as an intermezzo. One of my sugar daddy at the time, he was an anomaly, I would like to say. Like, we were actually together for maybe a good year. He is practically the nicest John that I've had ever. And I think it has to do with the fact that he was only doing it out of necessity and not because he wants to. Basically, he and his wife separated. And that is actually true. I actually met his wife. They separated, but they don't want to get a divorce for legal reasons. And she was like, you know, he was like, I want to meet someone, but 
more less for sex but more kind of like as a girlfriend so we were mostly yet yes we had sex but it was not mostly that he needed the emotional support that he doesn't have from like literally anyone because he's also here um kind of alone he's an expat and he doesn't have any family here in Japan and you know with the situation with his wife was obviously not great so he needed some kind of emotional support and so like that's where he looked for which was really really weird but it worked out for me because he treated me so well like really really well actually but for me right like i saw that as a, a transactional relationship because that's how it started and even though he was very nice to me and he actually was like you know oh my god like i love you i fell in love with you and i'm like thanks but <laughs> why because i thought you know this is transactional and i felt really bad saying that because he was actually very very kind and i think he did caught feelings but i already saw the the relationship as a transactional relationship that it was really hard for me to see it as something genuine even if he did see it that way and so that kind of like you know like i said like it basically continues with my other relationships post sex work is that like i see i had no standards with the normal dating but also i see these nice gentlemanly attitudes or treatments from men as being something transactional like i don't see it happening if it's a normal dating and that's also why when i went out with these guys you know i started to like oh i have to pay for date as well oh yeah he can you know he can go back to my place and i don't ever have to come to his place at all oh yeah we don't have to go to a nice hotel oh we don't have to go to a nice restaurant because i'm used to that in a different context if it was work if it was me with my clients i mean yes i expected to be really nice hotels i expected to be really nice restaurants you know i expected the gifts etc because it was with a client i expected that but because it's normal dating or i thought it was then i had no expectation i'm like it's good enough that you want to be with me despite of my past obviously these guys has no idea about what i did in the past at least i thought that in my head that wow they want to be with me even though i was so like i was you know i was a fucking prostitute oh my god they're so nice oh my god they're so kind blah 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 and so on and so forth and this kind of no standard dating goes on for a good 3 years or so i think and it was very very painful and difficult because i didn't know what i did wrong like what was wrong with me that i never got to really date a guy who wants me genuinely for me and i always thought like oh it's because i'm too sexual and it makes no sense <laughs> because like isn't that what you want and then also oh it's because i always thought that i'm a side chick material right like because i'm used to that i'm used to being with married men and even when i was fucking around it's always with married men and that's what i'm used to and so that's a concept that i had in my head that because i did that and because i only experienced that that's all that i deserve which is untrue and, but it took me such a long time to get to the point of like yeah fuck this and that actually was a couple years ago when i was dating my ex-boyfriend so with my ex-boyfriend bless his heart we met and he actually was dating someone at the time and he was dating this lady for I'm going to say more than 5 years already. And at the time I was like, why? <laughs> more than 5 years you should have married her already. 
But even then, at the time, I was still dating around with no purpose. I was still hooking up left and right because, again, no purpose. And I don't know what I want. And I keep on repeating the same mistakes of dating because I thought that by having sex with a guy, I can connect with him emotionally because that's how I am. And I also thought that applies to men as well. And so I met him uh, maybe mid-2020. We started dating. Obviously, I knew that he had a girlfriend at the time, but I didn't care because I thought like, well, this is how it has always been and there's no difference to me. So whatever. But also I thought it's good that he has a girlfriend because then I know how it would end. It's not that it's going to end because he found another girl or that he doesn't want to be with me anymore. It's because he has a girlfriend and he has to go back to her eventually. So I kept dating him. Sometimes when we talk about women who agree to be the side chick, it's often thought of that they have pick-me-itis, I suppose. But in some ways, it's a way to avoid having to deal with emotional intimacy by having a guy who's not available to you, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I think, well, for me anyway, that's the um, the main reason. It's definitely to avoid the entire, we have to break up drama. Like, as then I can predict already, like, oh, you know, like, if we have to break up eventually, it's probably because he has to go back to his wife or probably because he has to go back to his girlfriend, etc. And it is way less painful for me that way because... I am severely (laughs) afraid of abandonment. And so that's my way to control how things would go. And which is really funny because every single time it would hurt anyway, you know, because they still left, right? And even if the leaving part is still because, oh yeah, I need to, you know, we can't date anymore because, you know, I want to focus with my relationship with my wife or girlfriend, etc. Like even though I know or knew that that would happen, it still hurts regardless. So yes, when I was with this ex of mine, there was also the motivation behind it. However, the difference being he and his girlfriend, actually his girlfriend left him, like I think six months into us knowing each other or being with each other, left him completely. And so I was stuck with him. And even at the time I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> like, no way out now because she left and then she left him with me and then during the time where we started dating as an actual couple that's when things start to basically crumble down and that's when i actually discovered fds (laughs) (laughs) it's actually i don't remember how i discovered you guys it was definitely through the podcast first and not through reddit because i was not actually on reddit I made Reddit because of you. <laughs> so that's something. That's saying something. I'm sorry, by the way, for leading you into the den of iniquity. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but anyway, like I finally, you know, during the time, I think it was early 2021, I discovered you guys. I'm not sure from where I'm trying to think now, but like I definitely listened to the podcast first. And during the time, I was in the position where I know something is wrong. I mean, obviously, right? I know something is wrong. I know that this doesn't sit well with me. Like the entire relationship doesn't sit well with me. Not just because that he was obviously dating someone 
and then cheated on her to be with me. He was a serial cheater, true and true. Like the bad case of pick me iris or anything like that. It was really, really bad because when I knew that he was, you know, uh, cheating on his ex-girlfriend to be with me, I was like, oh my God, I'm so special that he wants to be with me. And then that kind of goes on. Even when I knew that he was cheating on her with multiple women before me, like a lot. And the only reason that, you know, that this sticks out is because like I had too much time at the time because I was still unemployed post my graduation. And so we, you know, we shared a lot of time together and we basically, you know, became really, really close. But this guy, like he obviously was not a good person, right? Like not a good partner, not a good boyfriend because duh. And made worse that this guy is a 50-50 scrot. So he was, from the get-go, I was already feeling a lot of unease from how he was treating me. Because mind you, again, I was unemployed. I just graduated. And because of COVID, there's no employment whatsoever for a while. And I was surviving off my savings and, you know, some money from back home. But, you know, barely scraping by from month to month because I didn't know how long am I going to be unemployed at the time. And he would not even buy me coffee. Every meal that we have, we will split it 50-50. Everything. Scroat. <laughs> Scroat alert. It was so insane. And I couldn't put a word on it because I thought that this was normal. I mean, I know it's not, but at the same time, I thought like, oh, okay, I guess that's how it works, right? Like, because we're dating and this is not work. And so, you know, I have to also pay my part, like, you know, maybe. (laughs) And I tried to justify it in my head. But at the same time, I felt so slighted. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I have no money. And he would, you know, like, ask me out on a date or ask me out, like, to go on a trip to him to a different part of Japan. And, you know, like, Obviously, I expect him to fucking pay because you ask me. And also, you know, in this context, you are my boyfriend. But no, he expects me to pay everything 50-50. When I told him, I can't do that. I don't have the funds, right? Like, you know, I'm not exactly swimming in money right now. And he would be like, oh, okay, well, you only have to pay this much then. And then he would kind of dangle that in front of me for like many, 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 many moons to like, oh, you know, like I let you to only pay me this much for our trip. And I'm like, you asked me out on that trip, you motherfucker. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? I was just so slighted and just so upset about how he's been treating me at the time. But again, I had no words or I had no way to really express on why it upset me so much. And again, that's when I discovered you guys. And I think it was the first three episodes really hooked me up on the entire, well, of the things that I've been feeling, right? Like the entire dating, why do I have to pay 50-50 and all that kind of stuff? Like that really hit home to me. And for a good while, because obviously I was already with this person, with this guy for a while, and it was not so easy for me to just walk away. But the um, the first three, maybe three or four episodes of your podcast really kind of like got me to mull over about my decision to leave or not. And mind you, it was not an de- easy decision because I'm already too 
entrenched in this relationship with him because it was just so much trauma going on already, right? Like his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend left him and then I'm stuck with him and then all that kind of stuff. I couldn't just leave because I already was in too deep. So it was not an easy decision. But the podcast really, really helped me to kind of open my eyes. And to be honest with you, it's kind of like to remind me of the things that I already know deep down. These are not the things that I, well, not really new concepts, I guess. I know it, but I decided not to see them or not to acknowledge them because it was too painful or too difficult. It's hard to articulate, isn't it? Because I think a lot of it is we're not given the cultural language to describe our experiences and then be able to navigate the framework of what is men trying to impose their will to give themselves an advantage at our expense. So like we can tell that some of these things don't benefit us as women, but it's not easy to articulate it, especially if you have counter narratives coming from men and then like a certain type of feminism that that doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah, it's very like sanitized and based on personal freedom rather than understanding like personal advantage. Yeah, it doesn't help at all. And I think that's correct. Like, it was really hard to articulate myself. And I don't want to sound like, oh my God, you know, you have so much, like your, your standards too high. You're asking too much, blah, blah, blah. But I thought like men used to pay so much money just to talk to me for dinner. And I am now what with a guy who wants me to pay 250 and a half for coffee. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, obviously I would, you know, put it against that, but like just in general, Like, why do I have to do this? Like, my existence itself is a fucking gift. Like, you should be so grateful that I even want to be with you. But it took me such a long time to get there because, well, like you said, it was so hard to articulate myself. And so after months of mulling myself over about this, I eventually walked away. And it was not easy at all. Because yes, I care a lot about him. Like that's the reason why I was with him in the first place. And I think like any breakups in general, it's not an easy thing to do. And so we break up, you know, we broke up and then we kind of got back together for like months and obviously didn't work out. And then we finally like just broke it off for good. But that was like, I think being with him and at the same time discovering FDS was, I think the point in life where I really thought like, okay, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to date this way anymore. This Things have to change because I know now that, you know, before I used to be like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why do I, I'm always the side chick, you know, I'm never this and all that. But that's because of me. I do that. I did that to myself. As in like, I made the choices. I made the conscious choices to be that, to do that. And if I don't change, then nothing will change. And so like from, I think about from around that time and mainly from last year, I think early last year is when I really did a lot of self-work. A lot of other things were happening as well at the same time. Like I was like facing unemployment early last year because my company was just like really, really terrible at the time. And I have to go back home for a bit and so on and so forth. But during that time, I was really thinking on how I can level up in different ways, different parts of my life, the things that I can control. And for example, like really bad, but like, for example, of how I dress or how I, you know, how I talk, how I 
basically show myself to people because I always thought that how I look or how I dress will definitely impact how I feel as well. And for the longest time when I was with my ex-boyfriend, I actually stopped dressing and looking good because he would always be like, oh, you know, like, why do you need to dress? Why do you need to dress up? Why do you need to look like good like that? Who are you meeting? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so like I stopped putting any effort on how I look like completely and just starting to like look like a bum for 24-7 when I was with him. And then when I was out, I was like, I'm done doing this. I want to level up. I want to look good. I want to have a good job. I want to date someone who actually is good for me, appreciates me, loves me, and takes care of me. Well, from early on, I started to do a lot of work towards that goal. And it's been a very, very slow process. But now I'm, I'm working a very good job. I would like to say so myself. I'm in a very, very stable relationship right now with someone who is amazing. And I actually met him during my level up journey last year. And that's, I feel like it's a reflection of if I put the work on myself, then someone who is worthy of that will see that. Because before, like I felt that I kept being in these terrible relationships with men who only treat me like meat, basically, or like a fucking um, side chick or whatever, was because, partly because I allowed them to do so. My lack of boundaries and my lack of standards basically let me be in that position in the first place. But once I actually put certain standards of myself, this is how I want to be treated. This is how I want to be uh, loved. This is how I want to be in a relationship. This is how I want to be provided for by my boyfriend or by my husband, etc. Then these guys who used to be so attractive to me because reasons just stop being attractive at all because they don't do that for me. They never did and they won't. And so I don't see, I don't see the attraction anymore towards these men who used to treat me like shit. And I started to actually cultivate relationship with someone who is a complete 180 from the men that I used to date. And I'm not going to say that it was easy because it was very, very difficult at first to recognize this. And it was even harder to kind of let myself go in the sense that I don't have to be on guard so much anymore with this person because he actually takes care of me well. And also that, yes, it was a very, very long road to go where I am at right now, but I'm glad that I did the work needed in order to be where I am currently today. So I wouldn't say that it's going to be as easy a journey like how I said it in, you know, uh, the past one hour, you know, for women who are still stuck in sex work or sugar babying, etc. But I think that once you really, one day you kind of will snap out of it because I've been doing the work to, towards it for a long time, like do the entire therapy and, you know, like psychiatrist, etc. But during the time that I did all that work, I actually didn't want help. I don't want to be out. I don't want to be in a better relationship yet because I was not ready. I felt like there's a phrase of, um, you can't help people who don't want to be helped. And that's actually applies to me during that time. Like, because of all of my friends knew what I was doing or the things that I was doing, how I dated, et cetera. And 
they could tell me, oh, Naomi, you can do this, you can do that. You know, you should not do this or you should not do that. And I may agree with them, but I don't do it or I don't do the work because I am not ready and I don't want to be helped. I didn't want to be helped at all. But I think that to a certain degree, I would say at some point, it will be something that kind of like opens up your eyes to how bad things are. And I think that's, again, how it was with me when I quit sex work. And the second time was when I was with my ex and then I discovered FDS. And I think those two moments or those two events are what really got me to the point of where I am right now. Wow. So thank you for your story. What a journey. (laughs) (laughs) It is a journey. (laughs) It's been very long. I'm going to say I'm still a work in progress, but very, very happy of, I would like to say of where I am right now. I'm very, very proud of the changes that I've made to myself. I'm not going to say that like I am, oh my God, so much better right now, blah, but I have to say that I'm actually quite happy. I'm in the very good place right now. Can always be better than, you know, improvement, etc. But in comparison to back then, I'm in a quite good position, I have to say. <laughs> Definitely sounds like it. Well, we're proud of you. I mean, anytime we hear a story of women who have come from circumstances that just seem, I mean, like almost impossible to wrap your head around if you haven't been there yourself. Yeah. And and to see that even in our little corner of the world that we're actually helping people and influencing people. Yeah. I'm so thankful for you guys because seriously, like discovering FDS was like the point where it's like, oh, fuck, I need to get out. (laughs) Doesn't it make sense though, right? Once you heard, it's it's just, I feel like they don't want us to talk about (laughs) stuff like this and they don't want us to actually put two and two together because yeah, I feel similarly. Like when you start to hear it, you're like, wait a minute. How come no one's ever said this before, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, I remember like I was listening to you guys at the gym and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, I need to get the fuck out of here. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what, how do I get out? What am I doing? There's times when I listen to episodes and I'm like, man, I'm cringing at myself at some of my past behaviors though. <laughs> <laughs> it seriously felt like that. Like, it's like a third eye was opened is how I would say it. What's really funny is because that you were saying the things that, again, like I said, it's not new, new. Like, these are the things that women, I think, inherently know deep down in their minds, but again, has no way to articulate it. But yeah, when I listened to the first episodes, I was like, oh my God, what I've been doing? Like, I'm going to need to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) But I'm so glad that I did. So yes, it's like a lot of it is thanks to you girls like you've been amazing you've been a very huge part of my level up journey and yeah i would like to say thank you seriously it is has it's been an honor to be able to talk to you thank you thank you but yes i would like to say yeah last time that it would be great if my story can help anybody who listens from any part of the world that it can get better and seriously get out it is not worth it the amount of money was maybe great or the uh, validation from men was probably great for a moment but for the long term you can always choose yourself i hear you and it's gonna be fine and on that note 
that's our show. Check us out on Twitter at FemDadsChat or check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy for weekly bonus content and our Discord. And follow us on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy <laughs> or on our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com and discuss this episode on the forum. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you Johns out there, we hope you get scammed out of all your money and you die alone and die mad. See y'all next week. Bye.